Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another edition of This Week in the Bush League, hosted by the Chief and the Champ. I'm the Chief, and after this week, I think James Earl Jones might be the most underrated actor of all time. All right, all right. And I am the Champ, and I am not a baseball expert, but I play one on this podcast. (laughs) You wouldn't say you're a baseball expert? No, I I mean, there's so many... Because I listen to a lot of baseball podcasts and, and read stuff, there are, you know, sabermetrics, that type of – there are so many people out there that uh, that really know the game. I mean, you, you know the game uh, from a fundamental standpoint, from a technique standpoint. There are people that are so smart with uh, um, um, sabermetrics, that type of thing. It's just uh, – there, there's a lot of good people out there. Yeah. So Tell me the, about James Earl, uh, James Earl Jones. So James Earl Jones, I was flipping around the TV – the other day, and I caught Field of Dreams. Have you ever seen that movie? Yes, yeah. absolutely. I've seen it a number of times. I don't. I don't really. I think it's cool. I don't think it's that great of a movie, but I. I. You know, James Earl Jones is in it, and it got me to thinking. Like, I mean, he that guy's got a wide range, and I, that is like somewhat of a drama comedy. There is some comedy involved in it. Um, yeah. Right, and it, it's a feel-good story, and. I think he plays a good character with the Terrence Mann character. But then I, I, I kind of looked at his career. He, he's he been nominated or has won an Academy Award, a Tony Award, an Emmy Award, a Grammy Award, and a Golden Globe Award. And I think he has some range, right? Yeah, he does. Oh, yeah. absolutely. He's played, absolutely. In, he, I mean, he's played on Broadway. I mean, he's won Tony Awards, and he, and he was Darth Vader. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Well, and he, and he has that distinctive voice, right? He that does. You, you, yeah. you know when you hear it. Yeah, and I, I, I think when people think of, you know, greatest actors that are living right now, I think most people go to De Niro, which I, I like his stuff, but he plays the same character in every movie for the most part. Uh, Pacino's got a little wider range. I, I mean, Christian Bale and Johnny Depp have a real wide range, but I, I think James Earl Jones is, is, very, is highly underrated. As an actor, and then has been in a lot of stuff, and you know, I just—it's just something that dawned on me when I was watching it the other day. Well, I, I think he delivers one of the most iconic speeches slash soliloquies um, in the movie um, um, *Field of Dreams*. Don't you think? Yeah. Oh, About yeah. Baseball? Yep. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, and it's—and he does it in it, and you want to listen to him when he speaks, right? Um, Terry and Olivia actually um, visited the Field of Dreams in Iowa. Oh, uh, yeah. So the, do they play games there, or is it just a field on somebody's farm? Um, they, have, they, they, have they have a field there. Um, they didn't play games. But if you remember, um, in, in 2019, Major League Baseball scheduled to, to play um, oh, uh, yeah. a game there in, 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 in 2020. And uh, obviously they got canceled the pandemic, but I think they're trying to do that in 2021. Um, Dyersville, Iowa. Uh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, uh, James James Earl Jones was also the voice of CNN. You right. Know, and right. Then, Good one. And then he, all the way to coming to America. He played in that comedy. <laughs> right? He's a great character. Man. Eddie Murphy's dad or Eddie Murphy's character's dad. Yeah. It's a great character. So, uh, yeah, just something to think about. Uh, you know, it, it dawned on me the other day, so that's why I brought it up. I like it. What's happening in the baseball news? 
years since we've uh, last been on the air at the end of uh, December. Uh, again, uh, a sad week. Uh, you know, about ten days ago, we had another three Hall of Famers that passed away. Right, uh, Tommy Lasorda, Don Sutton, and, and Henry Aaron. Um, uh, yeah. So, you know, when you go back and look at their careers. Uh, I I was not a Dodger fan growing up. I despised them, and as I'm sure you despised them as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. So when you despise a team, anybody that wears the uniform, I wasn't really a Tommy Lasorda fan. Um, But, you know, he he had a a Hall of Fame managerial career. His teams were always always in the running. And uh, when he won two World Series, he won the strike year in 81 and then again in 88. Where they upset the Mets and the A's, um, and I, I found it interesting too that from 1954 to 1996, the Dodgers had two managers. Wow, what him and Walter Alston? Yeah, yeah, that's amazing, it, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think it speaks to the organization as well. Yeah, the organizational stability. I mean, he was always. You know, one of the things I saw on, on one of those uh, digital billboards um, when he had passed away around here was it had Tommy um, L.A., you know, with the Dodgers insignia, sort yeah, of. And yeah. when I saw that, uh, I'm like, yeah, he, he really epitomized the Dodgers organization, you know, with, with some of his famous quotes, like he, he bleeds Dodger blue, um, just looked like an all-around good guy, um, you know, was very good with the media, seemed to be good with the fans and players. Um, would you like to play for him? manager like him I think he was probably a player's coach I mean I'm sure he was hard on his players but they all liked him and and if you like your boss you're gonna work hard for him right Sure. yeah and I I think he's got some pretty good clips when he's been mic'd up Uh, I don't know if you remember I don't know if it was the 77 or 78 World Series and he went out to take a starting pitcher out and he was just talking to the pitcher then the umpire came out and said Tommy you gotta make a decision he's like well I don't know what to do like what would you do (laughs) right I mean that's yeah, pretty, and really all he's doing is stalling, waiting for his guy to get warm. <laughs> yeah, that that's a classic of of Lasorda. Yeah, other managers would have probably like, dude, get out of here. You know, I know, I know how much time I have, but you know, Lasorda kind of, you know, played into it. I don't know what to do. What do you think we should do? So yeah, he he's got some he's got some cool mic'd up, um, you know, uh, bits that that you can yeah. listen to. Yeah, he was certain quotable, and you know um, how, how great is it that you know he he, he lived to see the Dodgers' next World Series uh, win since the time that he managed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was uh, so eighty-eight to what twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. Yeah, that's a long Been time. Thirty-two years. Wow, thirty. They probably have never gone that long. So uh, you know, once they finally won one, they they went thirty-two years prior to that, but. I mean, they've been in the playoffs. I, I think they've won the uh, NL West, what, seven, eight years, something like that. And that may continue. The Padres are going to give them a run for their money this year. Um, and they could have actually won a couple more uh, World Series had they not uh, run, run into the Astros and, you know, that whole bit. Yeah, and then they lost to the Red Sox too, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, and that, that team, that Red Sox team was a machine. I, got, I don't think anybody was beating that team. But yeah, it it is, yeah, it's sad to lose him. He was an icon in baseball, certainly out in Los Angeles. And then the other guy was Don Sutton, 
uh, 22-year career with five teams. And, and this is interesting. Uh, his first 15 years, he averaged 35 starts per season. Yeah, you know what? Doesn't that go back to a former um, era? Um, th- this guy was, was just the machine. I mean, you could send him out there, um, as they did in those days, every fourth day. Pitched well over 200 innings. I mean, if you look at his, his career stats, they don't have that eye-popping season like, you know, Bob Gibson's 68 season or anything like that, but he was just really consistent, took the ball um, all the time. Um, I, I guess that's kind of how I remember him. He doesn't really stand out as, you know, um, a superstar, superstar, but he's, he was just very consistent. Um, what did you think about him? Yeah, so I remember him late with the Dodgers, uh, probably 77, when the Phillies started making the playoffs. So it was 76, 77, 78, you know. Um, and then I, he went to Milwaukee, so he was on that Milwaukee um, yes. World Series team. Yeah, which, and he pitched well for them. And he was 37, 38 years old at the time. Um, yeah, I just think the guy was adorable, right? He was just adorable pitcher. Yes. Um, 3,500 strikeouts, right? That's a lot, man. So, so that's the funny part, right? Um, you know, I, I guess players of, of that area, excuse me, of that era were rewarded for their durability, right? Yeah. And, you know, cause, cause today's pitchers only have to go five, six innings, um, because of the advances of medicine and Tommy John surgery, as we had talked about. But I, I think what's remarkable is you know, based upon all of those strikeouts that, that, that he had, he only averaged 6.1 strikeouts per, per nine innings, which is pedestrian, um, which is actually not even major league level, um, average major league level at, at, at this point in, you know, this era. Well, I think some of that is because guys didn't strike out back then. I, I think right. their approach to hitting now, is, is more conducive to a strikeout and no one bats an eye out of it as long as they're hitting home runs. So that might have been some of it. Um, but you're right. I mean, oh, absolutely. Yeah, you're, you're right. He, he His 3,500 is because he pitched 23 years, effectively, for 23 years. Yeah, well, a 2.66 ERA, career ERA, you're doing something right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I think his big pitch was that curveball. Like, I, I don't think it was an Adam Wainwright 12 to 6 curveball, but he had a good curveball, um, yeah. which is a strain on your arm pitching all those times. He he played in four World Series and didn't win one, uh, unfortunately. Uh, played three with the Dodgers and, of course, one with Milwaukee. And, and um, yeah, he, he, he didn't win the World Series. But, you know, like you said, it's difficult to win it, let alone get there. But he got the four of them. Yeah, his I mean his postseason, particularly in the World Series, wasn't wasn't all that spectacular. Um, two and three in the five point two six ERA, but you know it's a it's, it's a different it's a it's a different game. And yeah, he was a he, he, he his career showed that he was a, a very consistent and durable player. So, were you more of a fan of the regular hair Don Sutton or the Afro Don Sutton? Oh, the Afro Don. Oh Sutton, yeah. Of okay. Good. Yeah. Oh, me too. Yeah. I, and and you could grow an afro, obviously. I well, not obviously. I, I can't. I couldn't. So I just thought uh, it was cool. I was, I was gonna say. I was. I'm actually more of the uh, the fan of the Jamie afro than the Jamie now. <laughs> oh my gosh! And then uh, again, sadly, uh, Hank Hank Aaron passed away. Uh, who I've 
I've argued that he, at the time before he was passing, he was the greatest living offensive player. It may be the greatest, greatest offensive player in baseball history. Um, and we talked about some of his stats, uh, you know, with his passing, who, who do you think is the greatest living offensive player right now? Um, objectively, probably, um, probably Barry Bonds. Yeah. Yeah. And depend how you fall on that Bonds thing. Right. Though he never, he never popped positive for anything. Um, depending on how you fall on Bonds, uh, he's, he's the clear choice. But excluding Bonds, I would argue that Albert Pujols is the is uh, other than Bonds is the greatest living offensive player. And if you look at his stats, um, you got one, two, three MVPs, one, two, three, four that he finished second. He won Rookie of the Year, uh, six hundred and sixty nine doubles, six hundred sixty two homers. He's got 2,100 RBIs. He's not going to catch Aaron. Aaron's got over 2,200. So he's just not going to get the at-bats to do that. Um, I, I think I think Pujols is pushing. I mean, he's hitting 299, and he hasn't hit over 250 since 2016. I think Pujols, you could argue, is one of the, it, yeah, is one of the best offensive players in the history of baseball. Um, as, as a Cardinals fan. Um, I got to watch a fair number uh, of games with him. Certainly, it wasn't uh, as many as I would have liked. Um, it was really before the advent of MLB TV. But if you look at his 11-year career with the Cardinals, um, I think it went from 2001 to 2011. His stats, on, on average, I, I'm, I'm going to say that this 11-year span was probably top five of any 11 year span of any player in the history of baseball. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at it now and that's a, you could argue that I, you'd have to dig into some stats. I, I think maybe Aaron had, I don't know, maybe he had better stats in the first 11 years of his career. Um, I don't think anybody else did. I don't think bonds did in his first 11 years. And, um, you know, I, I, I think one of those or two of those MVPs, he finished second to Bonds. The other one, he finished second to Ryan Howard. Ryan Howard, yeah. Which, which was, you can make an argument either way. I thought Ryan Howard had, I, I, I don't think the Phillies do anything without that dude in that in 2006. I I pretty much think he was the MVP. But um, And then he finished second to Joey Votto, um, whatever. But, I mean, he literally could, he could have five of these things pretty easily maybe even six um yeah I, I you look at his stats man 2100 ribs there's not many people in baseball have that so my hope is my hope is as we're talking about hall of fame people here um bill and i already have plans that when he goes into the hall of fame um i hope he goes in the same year as um yadier molina oh yeah i mean possible, yeah right yeah it's possible and I think they're both can, Hall of Famers. Yeah. Can, 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 can we jump back to Hank Aaron for, sure. for a second here? Yeah. Because, you know, we don't have to talk about um, his, his, his stats. I mean, everybody knows just how consistently good of a player that he was. And, you know, we talked about him during earlier podcasts. And you actually had me believing, and I, I, I strongly believe that, yes, he, he, he probably was the greatest offensive player um, in Major League Baseball history. But I think something that – 
that people don't think about is is just the era that that he he played in, and I, I think this guy was just one spectacular um, gentleman, if you will, and a good ambassador, a great ambassador for baseball. I think he was just a, a, a classy individual, and just all of the all of the stuff he had to put up with when he was chasing. Dave Ruth's record in 73-74 um, and having to deal with, with I mean it just seems well I was going to say it seems silly today but it doesn't really seem silly today um, with all of uh, the death threats over yeah. a, a, a baseball record yeah. it's just they yeah. have to put up with that and growing up you know starting to play in the Negro Leagues it's just he just carried himself so well and he, you know he may be the epitome of Major League Baseball what you want in a player yeah, I, I I agree with you. I, I you can't say a bad word about the guy, right? No. I mean, yeah, you just can't say a bad word about him. And uh, and I didn't realize well, you know he passed away. They had a lot of specials on him. I didn't realize his parents were there at the game when he hit that yeah. home run. That is really cool. Can you imagine being a parent and your you know your son? I mean, black, white, Hispanic, whatever. You understand the the icon of that Babe Ruth was, and then you passed him. That's crazy. That must have been surreal experience as yeah. a parent, right? Yeah. Well, you can still see the. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you remember. Um, I, I certainly was old enough. I was 11 years old at that time. Um, Bill, my dad, and myself were, you know, in, in, in our rec room um, watching that. That was actually a. I, it was a weekday game, it was, but I think they televised it as the, the Monday night game. Yeah, and it, I remember yeah, it was him hitting the home run off of Al Downing. Yep, and the the, the call by um, there were a couple of calls, but I think the one that's famous is the one by Milo Hamilton, the uh, Braves broadcaster. Yeah, I, my parents woke me up, and when he when he hit it, so I could, okay. yeah, so I I woke up. Uh, I was in first or second grade, and and they woke me up, and I I watched the replay like half asleep. I I don't remember watching the replay. I remember being woken up. But, yeah, I thought it was kind of cool that they woke me up and I got to – I don't remember a lot of it. But, you know, when I went into school the next day, I remembered it. So, <laughs> right? Yeah, so it's, it's Absolutely. cool. Yeah, and, and you know what's funny is that, you know, you and I have watched baseball a long time and have – or, you know, amateur historians, I guess. Uh, I, I know how many Babe Ruth had and how many um, – uh, Hank Aaron had as a career. I have no idea how many Barry Bonds hit. Yeah, that's a great point because I, I know it's a few more than than than, than Hank Aaron, but I, I don't know. They they seem to be tainted. We talked about that. Barry yeah. Bonds before steroids was already on a Hall of Fame trajectory, but uh, you know his ego led him to do. I mean, he was an outstanding player, uh, and, and and if you look at his his, his stats, comparable to to players right around that time, he was clearing away. The, the favorite. He, he's another player like Pujols that could have won far more um, MVP awards. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they're the three that passed away since the last time we were on. And unfortunately, we're probably going to have to have a couple more over the next year. But Well, hope, hopefully no more. I, 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 I want to say that I read something. It might have been on Twitter, so take it for what it's worth. But over the last two years, we, we, we lost like eight Hall of Famers and then three more this year. That um, that that was like eleven percent or something like that of wow. all living baseball Hall of Famers, twelve percent, fourteen percent, something like that. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, it is. 
All right, and then speaking about Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame ballots came out on the 26th. Uh, no one was elected to um, the Baseball Hall of Fame this year, uh, first time since 2013. Um, Bonds, Schilling, and Clemens both gained about 1%. Schilling has 71%, I think, and Bonds and Clemens are at 62-ish, 62%. Um, okay. What are your thoughts on those three not not getting in? Um, well, I, I think if if this were um, and twenty years ago, thirty years ago, when player character didn't come into the consciousness of sports writers, um, they would have been in it already. If you purely look at their stats, I think all three should be in and I would have voted to to, to, to um, have all three in the Hall of Fame yeah uh, and, and you know they, they have one more year left and if they don't get in I, I gotta tell you uh, A-Rod shouldn't get a sniff right I mean uh, you, you would think that the table would be set for him not to be yeah because you're, you're absolutely right Bonds never even tested positive for any of this he he's never tested positive I mean Clemens has a rod certainly has he's been suspended twice yeah so if Bonds doesn't get in and he's never tested positive a rod should not get a sniff there should be any of those guys that didn't vote for him vote for bonds should walk right by a rod Right? I, I, I'd have to agree because this is where they're setting the bar and they're setting it pretty high, right? Yeah, I guess A-Rod's kind of sitting on pins and needles here. <laughs> because if Bonds doesn't get in, you got to think, like, uh, that's it. I got no shot. Um, if he had a conscience, um, I'm sure he's thinking that he's A-Rod and he can, yeah, that he'll get in. Smooth that, yeah. Maybe that's why he's, he's doing the, the Sunday night baseball and smoothing stuff over and I'm one of you now and whatever. Um, I, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm a little fed up with the Baseball Writers Association. I, I, I have, I'm losing respect for them every year, and, and a couple reasons. One is... What? Yeah, please tell me why. One is, I, I'd like to meet the people who voted for Latroy Hawkins. <laughs> I said, come on, man. Like, what are we doing? Right? You, you have a Baseball Hall of Fame vote. You're, you're two of you are throwing Latroy Hawkins in there? That's a joke. Aramis Ramirez. Aramis Ramirez was a really good player. There's no doubt about it. He was a major league player. He was very productive. But don't tell me he's a Hall of Famer. Don't, don't try. Four people voted for this guy. And, and then Barry Zito gets a vote. Barry Zito had like one and a half good years. What, what are we doing? And that's what I'm saying. I got no respect for these writers. I mean, you know, if you want to take a stance on Bonds and, and, and Clemens, all right, I, I get it. But don't tell me Latroy Hawkins is a Hall of Famer. Don't try to run that by me. Uh, okay, so so let let's 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 let me let me see if I can back you down just just a bit here. Um, I I, I want to say, and I don't know, I haven't looked it up, but there's probably what three hundred uh, Hall of Fame writers now or voters, excuse me, I shouldn't say writers, uh, Hall of Fame voters, and I I think that they actually have to be covering baseball for 10 consecutive years before you can be become um, qualified to vote 
for the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And then a player has to get, what, 75% of the vote? Yeah. So, so, so if you think about this, um, there are going to be a lot of if, – if you have to have 10 years of, of covering baseball, um, that, that's, I think it has to be consecutive. You have to be fairly old. So, so some of your opinions have to be a little bit, you know, before the steroid era. I mean, let's take you and I, for instance. I mean, one of the things you railed against is, uh, is stirrups, and people should be wearing stirrups. So, I mean, that kind of mentality will tell you why a lot of people probably don't vote for Bonds, Schilling, Clemens, that, that type of thing. Um, I, I can't speak to the people that had the two votes for uh, the Troy Hawkins, but, you know, it's two votes out of, uh, what, 300 people. Yeah, and I'm not saying it it took Bonds away from the Hall. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, I, I got no respect for you when you try to run by me, LaTroy Hawkins is a Hall of Fame. Like, I got no res- I, I, I don't, I have, I have no respect for any of your opinion at that point. Um, I, I know there's there's just a couple of writers that that, that that I actually follow. Um, Derek Gould from St. Louis Post Dispatch, and he used to be um, oh my God, I'm trying to think what the title was, um, president of the Writers Association. So I, I've heard him speak, um, and, and he actually presents his, his his ballot. I mean, he shows everybody sends a picture out, here's who I voted for, and states the reason why. And, you know, all three of those, Bond, Schilling, Clemens, were on that list, um, even though he may not agree with, with, with what they've done. Yeah, and, and there's a small percentage, uh, maybe 20-plus percent, something like that. It's less than 50 that actually make their vote public because I've been on that website. It's, it's uh, called okay. a Hall of Fame tracker. Um, well, there you go. Yeah, so... Uh, the people that voted for Aramis Ramirez, Barry Zito, and Latroy Hawkins did not make their ballot public. I, I, I went and looked for it. Yeah, no, not. I was like, look, man, Latroy Hawkins is my brother-in-law. I'm skimming of a vote. Do not publish my name. Like, if that's the case, I'm like, all right, whatever. Just tell me. Don't tell me he's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> he's my neighbor. All right, I get it, dude. <laughs> oh man. Regarding the Hall of Fame, though, is, is that it, um, what I had read recently is, you know, Schilling was a little bit ticked off uh, about the vote. And I, I guess he's gone so far as to ask the writers committee to take him off next year's ballot. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I read that, too. And I think Kurt Schilling's a Hall of Famer. Obviously, his regular season's numbers his wins don't match up to like Hall of Fame standards, but he did have 3,000 strikeouts. He had a really good ERA. Um, he was a game. He was a big game pitcher. His playoff performance is crazy. I think he's 11 and two in the playoffs. Um, and it's not his fault that he his team got to the playoffs. This is you know he. I, I think that's got to be factored in. Um, sure. I, I think some of the reason he didn't get in is a little bit of a political stance, and I get annoyed with that. Like I, I know he he has some chucklehead ideas, but you know you you can't. Yeah. Anyway, I, I think there's some political stuff. I mean, if you did background investigations on all these writers, you, you'd probably see a lot of these writers are chuckleheads as well. So I don't want to hear about they're they're following their moral compass. I mean, there's 380 of them or whatever. Yeah, there's there's at least 10 percent that are ding dogs. So anyway, with that being said, I think Schilling's being a little bit of a baby. Come on, okay. Kurt. Yeah. Like, you're a big-time pitcher. 
Don't act like a baby, right? You, you didn't get a call your way. Don't don't walk off the mound because you didn't get, you know, what you thought was a strike was called a ball. Come on, man. <laughs> so, so two other things I have here. Um, no, number one, do you think these guys get in? Because this, this, I guess this is going to be their last chance um, on the regular ballot. But do you think these guys get in um, under the um, uh, Veterans Committee? I have no idea. I, I, I mean, I really don't. I, I thought, I mean, they got one more year on the ballot, right? Yeah, yeah they got one more. Yeah. I, I have, and then they go to the Veterans Committee. Right. I have no sense of what's going to happen. I, I thought they would be elected this year because like, there was no one to take their votes. There was no one coming in except for Latroy Hawkins. Correct. Um, <laughs> I, I just thought this was the year. All right, nine years. We sent a message, whatever. Uh, but I got no sense of this now, Jamie. I, I have no okay. sense of what the writers are going to do. Yeah. All right. That, that was thing number one. And thing number two is uh, your, your boy uh, Omar Vizquel. Yeah. Uh, what, what did he get, like 40% of the vote, 50, 50%? He actually dropped. Um, he had some domestic stuff. So I, I didn't realize that. And when I when I went in to dig a little bit, eh, that might have jammed him up. I, and rightly so. I mean, I, I don't, you know. So – uh, Vizquel, I, I don't I don't know what's going to happen with him. I, I don't okay. know. But I know Scott Rowland jumped jumped a lot, uh, maybe 20 percentage points, something like that. Uh, and sadly, I think he's going to make his way in, and I just don't think he's a Hall of Famer. And you talk about players you watched on a regular basis. I did too. I mean, he, him and Arnado, are the, other than Brooks Robinson, are probably the th- greatest third baseman I've ever seen play. I, I can't imagine anyone's better than those three. Um, I just well, it, I just don't think he was a big time hitter. It, it, it's it was interesting because I want to say in our last podcast we actually talked specifically uh, about Scott Rowan whether we thought that they were going to he was a Hall of Famer and I, and I I think I landed on the side of I think he just misses and I think the vote is kind of showing that and you had said no um, and um, that you didn't think so either but I think that's a perfect segue. Um, you were talking about uh, Scott Rowland and one of the other players, the best defensive third baseman that you've seen, and that's Nolan Arenado. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about that and uh, the Cardinals? So, <laughs> a big trade by the Cardinals, grabbing this cat, right? Man, that's a, that's no, a, not a, as a Cardinals fan, um, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic because it's not official yet because there's a lot of moving parts to this deal. Yeah, right, but it looks like it's heading in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's huge, man. I mean, you, 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 yeah, the, the the central should be yours. I mean, the, the Cubs can't. <laughs> yeah. There's no way you don't win the central. And you're going to. Uh, you, you would think not because there haven't been any. Uh, up until this time, the NL Central has done essentially nothing. Uh, I, I want to say that I heard on a podcast that through the offseason, the NL Central was last in terms of free agents uh, and the amount they spent. I think collectively those five teams spent like seven thousand, excuse me, seven million dollars <laughs> on free agents. What are you talking about? The Pirates traded away some good players. <laughs> they, yeah. they had a lot of movement. Yeah, I, I mean, you 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 insert Nolan in that line. Arenado. Yeah, yep. that's dude. That uh, uh, that 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 gives you a good a good jump. Right there. You, you, you ready for this? You ready for this? Yeah. Um, I would have loved to, or I still would love to see 
him, uh, Arenado, in the same um, infield with DeYoung, who, who, who is, is a very capable um, shortstop. Uh, but with Colton Wong and uh, Paul Goldschmidt, I mean, defensively, that is about as tight as you can get. Yeah, and, and that's that's just an added bonus with that guy, right? I mean, you, yeah. you're not getting him because, hey, we, we had some problems at third base last year. We can't pick up the baseball. I mean, that's not why you make that trade. You make that no. trade because of the offensive power in there. And just now everyone hitting around him is going to get pitches. You'd like to think, right? Uh, this is something that the Cardinals sorely needed. Um, having watched them just uh, slog through games offensively the last couple of years has just been painstaking. And, and I understand they're building their team around pitching. And, and they do, as an organization, they do a really good job at developing pitchers. Um, but but hitting-wise, it's, it's just been sometimes hard to watch, scratch out a run. And, uh, yeah, this this will make a huge, huge um, addition to their lineup. Yeah, well, you got, you got some young guys in that outfield, too, right? Molina's not the yeah. hitter he used to be. I mean, he's he's no. on the tail end of it. Uh, and you got a lot of young guys. And Carpenter can't hit it. hit the baseball anymore. Well, you, you know, with all due respect to Yachty, when you have him hitting fifth in your lineup <laughs> um, like they did last year. Yeah, that, that's a that's problem. A place. Yeah. yeah, I mean, their outfielders were hitting seven, eight, nine last year um, yeah. with the DH. And that's not where you want to be. No, no, no. Yeah, you're right. And if, if Paul did, how do you say his name? DeJong? DeJong. DeJong. Uh, if he can stabilize his hitting, because he's had a, a good year and he had a bad year, and he played well. Yeah, shortstop, he can pick the baseball. If he can stabilize that, be a little more consistent, yeah, then I, I think, yeah, you guys are in a good spot. Um, well, like you pointed out, you know, it's asking, you know, he was asked to do a lot. I think he was their cleanup hitter, you know, after Ozuna, like last year. And yeah. he's not a cleanup hitter, but yeah. he, he looks really good as a number six hitter or something like that. Sure. You, you start to lengthen yeah. your lineup. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. And then the Phillies, uh, they signed JT Real Muto again, a five-year deal. That was that was needed. Well, we talked about that in the past. Like, if you trade Sixto Sanchez and don't re-sign that guy, that's a waste. That's a waste so, of that so, trade. Yeah, all right. So so let's let's talk about this here because, you know, you're, you're obviously a Phillies fan. I don't follow them as closely. Do you, do you, what did they sign him, five years, $125 million? Uh, 120, $120 million, something like that? I think it was 115 but yeah, it's it's in that. 115 Yeah. Okay. All right, so, so averaging 20, AAV of $23 million a year, you think that's like a little pricey, right on right, right on targets, um, you know, based upon age and position? Well, the one thing he is, other than Molina, he's the best defensive catcher in the National League. Okay. I mean, he, he throws guys out. That's, yep. that's not an issue. And that's a big deal. I mean, not many people steal anymore, but when they do, he can throw them out. Um, How does he handle a pitching staff? Are you, are you joking? Have you seen this no, pitching no, staff? I mean, no, no, <laughs> you, well, I, no, I don't follow him as much. Well, the pitching staff stinks. So I don't know how he handles the pitching staff. I think he's just like, hey, dude, just don't throw it right over the plate. Just, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, their middle relievers are hard. The bullpen's horrible. So – um, I, I don't know how he handles the pitching staff, but you know, he, he can throw guys out defensively and he's, he's a force in the lineup. And okay. I, yeah, I, I think at he's 29 years old. He'll be 30 this year. We'll probably get three to four years out of him. 
Uh, and I, I think it's a good contract of five years. Yeah. So, so what does this what does this do for the Phillies? Does does this help them? To, to me, it's it's a move that they needed to make to help them tread water. But I, 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 I mean, I I still see the the Braves and um, the Mets ahead of them. Yeah. Well, a couple things. Uh, they did sign Didi Gregorius to a two year deal yesterday. Yeah. Okay. Good point. So the, they shored up their infield. They got Baum at third. They got Didi, who's a pretty good shortstop. They got Segura at second base. And then Hoskins, not a fan, but, you know, he's a capable major league player. Where they're hurting is the outfield. I mean, they, they got one more year of McCutcheon, and they don't have a center fielder right now. And that that's what they need. They, they have no production. They have inconsistent production out of McCutcheon and no production out of center field. Well, that's a whole other issue. Yeah. I mean, Nolan Wheeler are good pitchers, right? They're going to win yep. 16 games at least if, if they pitch well and the team plays well. Uh, Eflin is a 10-game winner, and after that, I, I couldn't tell you. They traded Cole Urban yesterday, too, to the Oakland A's, um, whose who's spot started for them over the past couple of years. Uh, and then their bullpen's a complete mess. Uh, they, they, they signed... Um, not, Archie Bradley. Archie Bradley. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, all right. I mean, I I think there's still another year away till they shore up some pitching. Yeah. So let's talk about um. You know that was a nice that was a nice deep dive on. Well, I don't know if it was deep, but it was a nice dive on 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 the Phillies. Maybe we can go through um. You know, uh, NL teams is at least how how we view it. I mean, obviously our expertise is the Phillies and the Cardinals. Uh, I'll put expertise in air quotes. Um, but let's talk about uh, their competitors in the East, and you know, namely the Mets, and the Mets acquiring probably the best shortstop in baseball right now, right, Francisco Lindor. Yeah, uh, that's that was a bold move, huh? I mean, there, there was right. a lot of teams that were probably sitting and waiting, you know, let him get into the season and see where the Indians are, and you know, um, but if they don't sign him long term, you know, well, I don't, I don't know if it's a good move. I mean, he's a good player, and he's going to play for him well this year. But if they did, they sign him, right? They haven't signed him to an um, extension. I, I don't think I, I yeah. think he's a free agent after this year, and you know some of that might just be due to the baseball nature. Um, you would like to get a sense um, that the the Mets feel that they can sign him. Yeah, you would they, think you know, they, they yeah. give away some talent. You mean the they guy got that got fired, <laughs> their GM that got fired, had a sense that he could sign him. <laughs> yeah, well, their, their general manager situation has, has, has really been bad. Yeah. You know, a, a couple of thoughts on the Lindor trade. Number one, um, I'll be happy to see him play a little bit more in the National League because I wasn't watching a lot of Indian, uh, or excuse me, I guess it's, uh, we don't know, the Cleveland baseball team's um, games. Um, I, I wasn't, um, wasn't watching a lot of their games. And number two, um, my big worry was that somehow he was going to end up in L.A. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. End up a Dodger? Yeah, my God. Yeah. Um, you, you might as well just, just stop baseball and just give the Dodgers the title for the next couple of years then. <laughs> yeah, I always feel good when the Mets trade for a big player because it's like, whatever. They'll, they'll step all over themselves. I'm not really worried about the Mets. Um, yeah, I, it, you know, if if I were the general manager of Mets, I would have told – Cano to get on that plane to Cleveland 
And then when the GM said, why is Cano here? It's like, oh, I thought he was in the deal, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try to sleep him in. Yeah, and then we got the Padres who are crazy right now, right? With, with their pitching. I mean, they. You know what? I I, I, I like this. I know. Let me let me see how I can say this with, without offending too much. If they're going to be a major league owner, owner, then act like one. Um, and I think the Padres are. There, there's so many teams. Um, and I'm talking about you, Pirates, that don't seem like they want to be in um, baseball. You know, if, if that's the case, and you don't want to have a competitive team, then sell the franchise and, and get out. Um, I'm happy with what the Padres are doing. Yeah, but you're not happy if you're Mackenzie Gore, who was like the eighth best prospect in baseball. It's a left-handed pitcher. And he's like, hey, what the – where where am I going to fill in here? Right? They, they, they added Snell, added Musgrove, added Darvish, added Clevenger last year, and they got Paddock. And Dylan's. <laughs> well, um, actually, I think the person that would probably be out and by the end of this year is going to be, believe it or not, is going to be Paddock. I, I think Mackenzie Gore will, will make that uh, uh, rotation. You, you think they'll give up on Paddock? Um, I don't think they'll give up on him because I, I, I think you need to go six, seven, eight pitchers deep um, during the course of a season. I, I just think that Gore is going to be a better player, going to be a better pitcher than, than Paddock. Now, having said that, you know, Darvish has had arm injuries. You yeah. know, Clevenger has arm injuries. So there's going to be enough room um, in these rotations for all those players. But, but uh, on draft day, um, in, reserve, in the reserve round, uh, if anybody brings up Gore, before me, I'll be upset. I might just bring him up in the in the auction draft. See what oh, then. <laughs> then you'll be the commissioner again. <laughs> I'd say I'll buy him. Uh, and I guess I guess we're going to see how really good Joe Musgrove is, right? You always had that thing while I played with the Pirates. Now he's playing with a really good hitting team. We'll see how good Joe Musgrove really is if he's just a 500 pitcher. Very good point. That's a really good point. Um, I, I know I'd be willing to take a chance on him. Yeah, sure. But we're going to see how good he is. Well, hell, I've done it when he was with the, pitch, with the Pirates. I guess <laughs> I should do it when he was with the Padres. <laughs> yeah, well, now he's on a good team. Uh, hey, you know what? Let me just jump off for a second here. The um, If the NL Central had another team like the Cardinals, it was it's quite possible that the Pirates could lose um, – 110 games this year. <laughs> You're not going to say that they're going to be a decent team this year, are you? <laughs> no. Oh, they, oh, they traded uh, Talion, too. Didn't they, isn't Josh Bell gone as well? Josh Bell's gone, too. Yeah, he's with Washington. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, and no one will take Polanco. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise he'd be gone as, <coughs> as well. Um, and speaking about baseball, real quick, are you a little concerned that all the radio silence from baseball? Oh, absolutely. Um, and it's funny because, you, you know, if you compare it to all these other sports, it, now I understand baseball is different, right, day in, day out for, for six months. But if you compare it to NBA, NHL, NFL, um, they, they just don't seem to – they just can't seem to get out of their own way. I, I have a distinct feeling that – the owners just don't want the season to start until they have fans in the seats. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah. I, that's what I think. But the fact that they're not saying anything makes 
I mean, because pitchers and catchers reporting used to be a big deal, and I'm not even sure where anybody is right now. In the- yeah, I mean, do we know when they're supposed to start? To, I mean, we don't even know. We don't even know if NL is going to have a DH. We don't even know the nickname of uh, the Cleveland team. No, no, we don't. Yeah, so um, yeah, so it's on. It's kind of interesting with the radio sound. So we'll we we have our Bush League winter meetings scheduled for 28. February, uh, it's the last day in February, so hopefully we have some guidance from uh, from the headquarters, HQ Baseball, to figure out what's going on. Um, yeah, well, here's hoping. Hey, if I can just uh, jump in here, you know, uh, Josh um, texted me um, and said that he actually thinks the opposite, that uh, he thinks that MLB is going to start on time, that uh, the players are going to force the owners um, to have the full pay. And you know, he, he might be right there. I hope he is. Um, but, I, you know, you and I uh, have been a little bit pessimistic on the relationship between uh, players and owners. Yeah. Um, until Tony Clark comes and starts getting in that podium in front of cameras, I don't, I don't trust anything that baseball says. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, on a lighter note, we, we talked last week, um, and we've talked in the past how you're more of a beer connoisseur. Then certainly I am. Well, I mean, come on. That's like saying that the state of Texas is bigger than Rhode Island. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not better. It's just different. <laughs> it's just different. Right, right, right. Believe me. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so I branched out uh, this week. I purposely went to I, I went to Whole Foods because they had a pretty good selection of beers I've never heard of. That's that's the section of that I was shopping in uh, this weekend. I picked up a Sierra Nevada, Sierra Nevada, okay. right? Yep. And this thing's called uh, Wonderland. Wonderland. W a n d e r l a n d. No, I think it's. I think it's. I think it's. I, I think I. Oh, you're right. It's Wonderland. Yep. Oh yeah, thanks. I'm holding the bottle right in front of me. Like my glasses aren't that bad. So W a n d e r l a n d. It's a nectarine ale. I've been drinking it throughout our podcast. It's very refreshing, I gotta tell you. Okay. Yeah, like on a summer summer day, you have that. That would taste good. Yeah. Uh, it, it. Yeah, it's a really. If you like nectarines, you like nectarines. Uh, uh, yeah, they're fine. They're fine. Yeah, that's what it tastes like. It's just well, a, it's a subtle taste, but it, it tastes like it. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, uh, I'm proud of you. For, for branching out, you, you know, I, I've been trying to get you to you know, to get away from your grandpa beer, um, Yangling, for the last what 15 or 20 years. So uh, I'm, I'm proud of you for taking the step into to the IPAs, and you know, in terms of IPAs, Sierra Nevada brews some some really good ones. So um, Christy was there with me while I was shopping, and she said, "Why do you get that? Because you're kind of wandering into a land of unknown with buying oh, these beers." Oh, nice. Yeah. I said that was nice. That was that's a nice segue. Wow, so I'm that wandering is, that is really into good. a yep. I'm wandering into a land of unknown. So uh, Sierra Nevada, uh, Wonderland Nectarine Ale. Yeah, light. Um, has a, has the hint of the nectarine, and for a summer summer afternoon, or in your case, summer morning. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> in your case, wow, nice nice touch there. Um, so um, a bigger probably beer snob than than me um, is 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 Bill because uh, he's always looking at beer uh, etiquette. 
which um, rates a, a whole bunch of, of different beers by beer geeks um, like he and myself. And I got an 84 rating in Beer Advocate, which is um, which uh, is good. 84 um, out of 100? Yeah, it's not up to our standards. You know, I'm in the mid mid to high 90s in terms of my beers. but <laughs> Well, I so I think this is kind of a niche beer. I, I think it's got a niche. I'd agree with that. Picnic outside, sitting on the deck outside. It's got a niche to it. Yeah. Yeah. You eat this with a nice salad. Okay. Yeah. Oh, look at you pairing pairing your, your beers. That, this is awesome. Uh, I'm getting a little tear in my eye. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, so next week, our, our, next, our next podcast, I'll grab a, a different one. I might stay in the same Sierra Nevada genre. I don't know yet. Um, so, so you know what? Uh, here's what I would propose: yeah. is that you know, as we move forward through the spring and the summer, we, we should I, I should have you um, take a look um, at a list of easy to get beers um, that that anyone uh, of our listeners could probably get. I guess it's a well sourced beer, if you will, and ask them to try it. That we're going to talk about this particular beer on a, on a particular date, and I'll ask everybody to text me um, their thoughts on the beer. Yeah, uh, yeah. I would, I would definitely recommend this Wonderland. Yeah, for, it, again, it's a niche so it's beer. A yeah, it's a niche beer. Yeah, it's uh, it's good. Um, so speaking about Bush League, so we we set our winter meetings, uh, virtual winter meeting for twenty eighth February at noon. Um, what kind of response did you get on that? So many, did everybody respond? Everyone responded after I had to send out another prompt, just a minor prompt. Um, everyone responded, and there wasn't one date that didn't have two no's on it. The whole what month is of February. Doing in these in, in, in these days of the pandemic. Well, some of it may be work. I think some of okay. it was class at night because we have some college Wait, students. People still work these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's a joke. <laughs> I would encourage you not to. But anyway, um, yeah. So we, we we got a date. We got a. A couple of people that became flexible on the 28th of February. Um, so yeah, that, that's it. We got a lot of topics to discuss and we, well, I'll bring, we'll bring that up in the next podcast. Um, start to start uh, priming their minds to kind of think, think my way because I am the commissioner and it's more of a dictator. Can, can I talk about that? Can yeah. I talk about that for a second? Yeah, go um, yeah I, I, I've already, um, you had questions in, in terms of that list, and I'm not going to go through it here, but um, I, I thought there were some very good topics that you brought up. And, um, yeah, I, I've, I've filled mine out already. So, uh, you know, I'm ready to discuss that um, on our next podcast. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll bring that up. Uh, normally we have a winter meeting at, a, at some sort of local pub, uh, of course. In fact, that's the last time we all met. We all met in person yes. together. Um, at the place in Phoenixville, so yep. uh, yeah, we'll 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 bring that up next uh, next podcast mid February. Then we'll have our winter meetings and uh, everyone's a go. Our bush league it would be our thirty sixth ish bush league draft thirty eighth ish season, um, uh, tentatively dated for the twenty seventh of March because I think baseball starts April first. Yes. Yeah. Of course. There's a moving target here. Uh, and then you and I are, are looking for a conference room in a hotel that we can kind of spread out a little bit, but we still get to to do an in-person draft. And a lot of people that uh, re, uh, 
most of the people that responded to my questionnaire hated that snake draft. In fact, okay. that word was used twice. Hate. Hate. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, it's very topical these days. Um, what did uh, what, what did people say about um, having the draft um, at a third party site, if you will, and not in someone's home, but at, at a hotel? Where the, was everyone amenable to that? They were all good. Yeah. They okay. Were, they were all... I, I think it's a gr- I think that's a great idea. Um, yeah. If we can do that, you know. The, a couple of my requirements, and I hate to be self-serving here, um, from these places would be is uh, I, I need them to let us bring alcohol in or um, not charge us a ridiculous amount um, for for alcohol. Um, the one location I looked at um, said that, yeah, we could bring in um, as much alcohol as, as we want. It's just that the room was really small for um, social distancing. Yeah, so, and that that's what... That's what you and I are trying to work out now. We'd like at least 600 square feet, right? That That's yeah. where we want to be. We want to be 600 square feet or more without, yeah, we, we and we want to stay between 15 and 20 bucks a person. Yeah, if we could do that, that would, that, that would be ideal. And, you know, what would really help cut down on that cost, going back to my point number one, is if we can bring in our own alcohol. And food, yeah. Bring a, bring a hoagie in there, something like that. Yeah. Um, okay, so those who listen, uh, just kind of stay tuned, and, and we'll get it figured out for us. Uh, so we got today in baseball history, Jay. A pretty pretty light day today. Uh, the, any of the free agent signings, because this, you know, free agents start getting signed. Um, any of the free agent signings in the past that really weren't that big of a deal. Uh, but it, this is something interesting. 2001. A Wall Street Journal article quotes former players Monty Irvin, uh, Al Gattel, admitting the team stole catcher signs during the 51 pennant race when the Giants beat the Dodgers. They overcame a 13-and-a-half game lead, the Giants did. Uh, according to the Wall Street Journal story written by Josh Prager, Bobby Thompson, whose three-run ninth-inning walk-off homer in Game 3 of the National League playoffs won the pennant for New York, did not steal the sign. Off a off a Ralph Branca uh, before hitting his historic shot heard around the world. Um, it, uh, do you do you look at hitters stealing signs off the catchers the same as having a camera with a feed into the dugout banging onto a trash can? No, we had talked about this before. Ab- absolutely not. Yeah. I, I think if you're if you're stealing signs, even if you're stealing them from from second base yeah. and relaying it back to a hitter, I think that's perfectly fine. I, I don't have a problem with that. When you're using um, electronic information, um, that's that's where I kind of draw the line. I, I think baseball players have always tried to steal signs. Um, I, I want to say that supposedly the the story is with um, the Brooklyn Dodgers is that they were and and, and the um, uh, the Giants, I guess at that time was that they were actually stealing it from, somehow they were messaging through the um, scoreboard in the polo grounds. Is that right? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, it wasn't part of the snippet that I read. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they were kind of the Astros before the Astros. Yeah. Well, I guess you got to do something to, to uh, kind of erase a 13-and-a-half game lead. <laughs> you got to do something, right? Um, yeah. And then the other one in baseball history, this, so this is kind of interesting. And let me get through it and then give me your thoughts. So Mookie, okay. Mookie, 2018, Mookie Betts 
wins his arbitration case against the Red Sox, getting the highest one-year salary ever awarded to a player in their first year of eligibility, uh, which was $10.5 million. So from 2015 to 2020, the first five years that Betts worked, right, on the job, he went from 500000 a year to $27 million a year since he signed that, that deal with the Dodgers. That's 52 times his entry-level salary. So let's put this in our world. 22-year-old college student graduates, makes 40000 walking out of the university, right? Makes 40000 a year. I mean, teacher, social worker, I mean, whatever. By the age of 27, that person would have earned $2 million if he was on the same track as Mookie Betts. <laughs> 20, yeah. Uh, that is a huge jump from an entry-level job, right? One year of service at Major League to $27 million in five years. What are your thoughts on Mookie's career advancement? I'm, I'm sorry. Did you say what do I think about that? Yeah. Um, I, I'm fine with that. Um, I'm always going to side with, with, with the players here. And, 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 and this is no disrespect from, from any college graduate coming out. But how many college graduates – um, come out in, in the world every year. A couple million? Yeah. Ten, ten, 10 million, that type of thing. You know, how many people do that? Um, and then how many players are of Mookie caliber, Mookie Betts caliber player? Because um, we're, we're, we're talking about one player here. We're not talking yeah, about, yeah, yeah. you know, one player. A hundred uh, uh, of players. So yeah. if you look at it from a supply and demand standpoint, uh, it, to me, it makes perfect sense. Well, I don't know if it makes perfect sense. Um, it, it's perfectly acceptable. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, I, I just think uh, I think he's worth every dime. Bets. In, in a normal scenario, he he puts uh, uh, butts in the seats. He sells T-shirts. Yeah. Um, he he, he might have been the person that pushed him over the top to win that World Series. Um, and And the guy never gets in trouble. Like that guy's worth every dime. He, he, he's a he's a likable player. He, he he's good for the game, and he's a damn good bowler. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. He he bowled a three hundred, right? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't he? So let, let's yeah. see. Let's see you do that, Francisco Lindor, before you sign a big contract. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe Latroy Hawkins is a good bowler, and that's why got, <laughs> that's why he got votes. But, but by the way, everything I hear about Francisco Lindor is that. Uh, his teammates and, and fans just just love him. Apparently, he's just one of these effusive characters. Yeah, kind of like A Rod. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my gosh! All right, so um, moving ahead, we're we're gonna pick up the frequency here. We're gonna go uh, two weeks, two podcasts yeah, in two February. In February. Yep. Uh, we're gonna depending on how baseball starts. We're going to pick it up the pace in March. Yes. Right? Yes. And then April, uh, we're hopefully back to once a week. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, we're going to be, uh, you know, dissecting and picking it on owners, which, you know, we really didn't do uh, as much as we had hoped to last year. So, um, you know, everybody sharpen your draft tools because we are coming after you in terms of picking on your teams. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, 
next week we'll or the next podcast we'll talk about um, a little bit of the rule changes and and um, some changes we need to make uh, moving forward within the league itself. Yeah, for perfect. Our, and we'll talk about a few more if there's any more winter transactions um, in Major League Baseball. We'll, 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 you know, we'll touch on those as well. Yeah. All right. So what are you walking off with this week? Well, I, I, I got I got three things that, that I wanted to talk about. All of various degrees here. Number one, uh, sadly to announce that uh, this week in the Bush League, in its inaugural season and rookie season, we did not win Podcast of the Year. Boo! Um, I'm so, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so we, we've got to pick up our listenership. So that means the rest of you Bush League owners, um, we're counting on you to uh, like and subscribe to the podcast. Is that how they measure that? I have no idea how they... I, I think it was actually people... <laughs> I, th- I think it's my, my guess is, is that they had people um, um, voting. I think this, the, what I heard it was an iHeart Radio. Um, uh, I guess listeners just just voted. You want to know who won? Yeah, who did win? Office ladies. God. So God. it was. Are you um, kidding me? No, I'm serious. It was the the the, yeah. um, the, the, the characters that played Angela and Pam yeah. in the Office. All right. Um, which I do listen to the podcast. I have to, yeah. Okay. They're easy to listen um, to. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's actually kind of good. You know, geeky people like me that have to go back and watch The Office for the second and third time, um, it's good to pick up on some things. <laughs> okay. What else you got? Yeah. My second thing is that, you know, as we roll into this new Bush League season, that uh, 2021 is the Chinese year of the Ox slash the bull. Ah, so I would suspect, right. yeah, I would suspect that this is going to be good for um, for Bob Freeze, um, the Vasora bulls. Um, right. So, um, but sadly for you, I looked up that the year of the rooster is not until 2029. So you got a, you got a long way to go, my friend. <laughs> That's not that long, man. <laughs> and lastly, I'd, I'd like just a quick shout out to Casey Burke. Um, happy 30th birthday that uh, just took place on January 26th. That's right. Yeah. We got 30-year-olds. Well, you don't have a 30-year-old yet. Next well, month. I don't have a 30-year-old. You do. So, next, you next, know, speak for yourself. Next month you have one. Um, <laughs> I got a whole month. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm walking off with bumper stickers. Bumper stickers? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Stickers on the back of people's cars. Yeah, but... So, They're annoying. <laughs> it, I, it got me to thinking, like, what's the objective of the bumper sticker and right. the objective of the bumper sticker's owner? What What's the purpose? You know, when you initially see bumper stickers, it seems like it's Twitter back in the 70s. Like, you just post <laughs> this outlandish <laughs> statement, and you have no responsibility to respond to it. Right? So that's what that was. So I my, my question is, Jay, does the owner really feel, I'm going to change someone's life today? I'm going to make a real impact on societal norms because of my bumper stickers. I saw one the other, I saw one the other day and said racism is wrong. And I, I'm thinking to myself, I'm at a red light, and I'm, I'm behind the car, and I see this racism is wrong. Now, I'm not arguing that racism isn't wrong. But I think, does the owner have any thoughts that they're going to change someone's life because they read that? I mean, is the expectation that maybe the grand wizard of the local clan is going to see it and say, oh, my God. For the last 42 years, I've been living my life in a fog. I'm out. I quit. Your racism is wrong. And, he, you know, the light turns green and he, the robe comes out the window, the hood, 
Yeah, you know, he's throwing all his paraphernalia out. Like, is, is that the expectation of the owner? So it bothers me when I see that. I think, what is the point to this thing? And then the, the second question is, what's the utility of the bumper sticker, right? What does the owner get, right? The, what's the value of that? So most people, Jay, can't remember where they put the keys to their car in their house, let alone they put a bumper sticker on, the back, on their bumper two years ago, right? So I, I don't want to hear about these people are walking out. They're getting dressed for work, and they're walking out with a proud smile on their face, walking around to the back of the car and, saying, and looking at the bumper sticker and saying, that's today, me and you bumper sticker with your toxic glue that's ripping my paint off and probably burring a hole in my plastic bumper. Me and you, buddy, we're going to change the world today. Like, is that what's going on in these people's minds? So I just had to get that off my, I wanted to pull over and ask that person, like, why are you putting that on there? Like, does that need to be said? Right? Okay. Can, can, can I, can I comment on your, your, diet, your diatribe here? Go ahead. First of all, that, that's pretty funny. Um, second of all, you sound kind of old. <laughs> um, but, but I like your comparison um, between the bumper stickers are the, um, what do you call it? The Twitter, uh, Twitter of, of the, the 70s. 70s. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I guess the ones, if I can add on to that, the ones that list all the locations, because you've seen people that put locations, like where they've been, I've climbed yeah. the, this mountain, that mountain, or I've been here, that type of bumper sticker, which I don't, those are fine. That's kind of like the um, Instagram, if you will, <laughs> right. of the 70s. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's like the Instagram. I might use that. Yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah, so but, it, it but, bothered but, me but, when but, I saw it today. But, but here's, how, here's how bumper stickers are, are, are effective. Okay, and, and this is my this is my um, ageism, if you will, um, take on it. Is that if if you're reading a bumper sticker, then you're paying attention to the traffic in front of you, versus looking at your phone at every stoplight. So there you go. There's the positive side of it. You're just reading other people's Instagrams. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, but, but you're watching. But you're watching traffic. No, you're right. <laughs> yeah. So I guess there is a benefit. Please focus here. Like that bumper sticker, I would get. Put your damn phone down. That I would get. That I would get. All right. Um, All right. Well, my bumper sticker, what I would put on there is this week in the Bush League, season two. Please Start watch. <laughs> please listen. <laughs> we want to win podcast of the year. We got a long way to go. <laughs> We're only six million behind, baby. Oh, uh, boy. Well, if we had a hit show on television, you know, they just had a little bit of an advantage over us. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Which I don't watch anymore because that now it's on that stupid peacock, and I, I'm not paying oh. for another thing now. No, 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 no. Wait, wait a second. Do you have Comcast cable? I do. Well, it, it's automatic through Comcast. It is. Yeah. I'm not. And, and here's and here's the reason why you have to watch The Office on on Peacock is because right now season three. They have the director's cut, the extended version, so you're going to see scenes that you've never seen before. So you get an extra four or five minutes uh, of The Office. Right, so, I'll, yeah, I, I would encourage you to, to, to watch it. I'll try it out. I'll try to find All it right. on my TV. Very good. Yeah. Oh, open your world. Open your Wonderland. <laughs> Wonderland, everybody. Sierra Nevada, Nectarine Al. Very, very good. <laughs> very good. Go. All right, uh, you got anything else before we leave, uh, champ? That's all. Everybody stay safe during the... Uh, the storm tomorrow, 12 to 18 inches. That's right. And working from home and being retired, let it come. I don't care. It'll be 100 inches. Go. All right, buddy. See you. All right. Take, take care.